Welcome back to another episode of GEMS Podcast with Genesis Amaris Kemp, where the core pillars are to educate, inspire, and motivate. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this segment. Welcome back to Gems Podcast. For those of you that are new, I am Miss Genesis Lamars Kemp, the founder and host. For those seasoned listeners, thank you so much for listening to another segment. With me today is Anna Minto, and I'm going to tell you a little bit more about who Anna is, and we're going to dive into this powerful conversation. Anna Minto is an executive advisor focused on empowering executive women to thrive in fast-paced environments. She is the founder of Transformational Change, and You Are Possible, which provides coaching and executive advisory services, motivational workshops, and inspirational speaking for Fortune 500 companies and professional services firms. She has an MBA with distinction from the Harvard Graduate School of Business and is recognized by the International Coaching Federation, also known as ICF, as a professional certified coach. In, um integral coach and Enneagram. Enneagram. Yes, Enneagram, <laughs> y'all. Thank you there, Anna. You're so welcome. She spent 17 years with the Boston Consulting Group, also known as BCG, including time as a managing director and partner. So today, let's welcome Anna Minto. Thank you, Genesis. I'm really excited to be here and to participate in your broadcast. My pleasure. So we're going to dive into the connection part of the segment, which allows the audience to connect with you in a fun and personal manner. So there are two options to choose from, Anna. We could either do a rapid fire 10 question game or an icebreaker. What are you in the mood for? Ooh, what are you in the mood for? I could go either way. (laughs) Let's do rapid fire. Emphasis on rapid. How about that? Okay. Here we go. We're playing rapid fire with Anna and Genesis. Do, 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 do. Question number one, favorite color? Maroon. Question number two, favorite word to describe you? Happy. Question three, if you could trade places with anyone for 24 to 72 hours, would you trade places or remain yourself? Oh, I'd trade just for fun. Okay, follow up question to that. Four, who would you trade places with? I would like to get inside Brene Brown's brain and learn what she's thinking. (laughs) Question five, favorite cuisine or food? Japanese sushi. Question six, you just came across a windfall of money, cha-ching, cha-ching, but (laughs) you must donate to three charities of your choice before proceeds are released. What charities are you contributing to? Ooh. I am contributing to Planned Parenthood, to the Girl Scouts of America, and North Texas Food Bank. Oh, I like that. Question seven, what's your happy place? Anywhere. I'm always happy. Question eight, name one thing in your life that you have done that was crazy from others looking in, but to you it was adventurous and it built character. Leaving BCG. Question nine. If you had the opportunity to recreate any moment in your life, would you recreate one? Oh, recreate one. Hmm. 
No, I like all the good and the bad. I think all of the experiences get us here. <laughs> and question 10, it is our pass or play question and here are the rules. If you pass, our roles are reversed and you could ask me any question. If you choose to play, I ask one last question to wrap up rapid fire. So do you want to pass or play? I will pass. Okay, what's your question? My question is, what is the craziest thing you've ever done? Oh, there's been a lot in my life. <laughs> um, I would say, you know, not backing down to a supervisor and just letting her know how I felt. And I think that it was crazy because, you know, the consequences would have been, you know, losing my job, but then also having a peace of mind because it was just, she was just so mean and I never had like someone that mean before but I'm yeah. glad that I stood my ground and then it actually worked out in my favor because she kind of knew that hey you know she's no pushover and I kind of you know understood her because we were both in a male-dominated field such as oil and gas and um it was around the time when she was pregnant and I was a new person coming in the role so I think that was a bit crazy from a professional standpoint but it mm -hmm. needed to it needed to happen and, you know, all's well that ends well. Yeah, so it wasn't so crazy after all. Yeah, it wasn't so crazy. But in that moment, it was crazy because normally yeah. you don't just say no to a supervisor or whatever, mm -hmm. especially being a new person on the team because it yeah. could be frowned upon or you could be pigeonholed career-wise. Mm -hmm. A little risky. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So that was that. Um, so now we're going to dive into the work that you're doing now, because I know you have a book out, Maternity Magic. Do you have the book handy? I do. I do. I'm so excited. It came out last month, Maternity Magic. Ooh. Yeah. So I want to spend a little time talking about Maternity Magic for, you know, just giving the audience a taste of what it what's in maternity magic and then also talking about parental pivot and just weaving the two together because I think even though we're talking about maternity magic we also need the people who are in the lives of people who are going through maternal instincts to support and celebrate us because you know it does take a village to raise a child and the reason why I say that is because I am a new mama to a seventh month old and you know some days it can be challenging but you know, when you have that magic in the maternity and you have the group of people, your tribe, it really does make a difference. So I want you to hold up the book again, um, Anna, and tell us why you felt so passionate about writing maternity magic. Maternity magic. So I think my first passion for this started when I had my three children. I was working at BCG, trying to balance global clients, traveling around, juggling children, juggling family, juggling volunteer and a spouse. And it was hard. And I didn't have any role models. So I've been passionate about finding a way to create a book that would help people to thrive in both their work and in their, their lives, right? And there's books like what to expect when you're expecting that help you through the pregnancy. But for me, once I actually delivered this child, it was like, now what, right? I was lost at first. So that started it. And then my coaching clients, a lot of them come to me because they're struggling too, just trying to figure out how to make the parenting work, how to make the work work, what to do. 
And I saw them struggling with the same things as me. So this was really written for my um, about-to-be-parent um, leader moms. I love that. And then there's also that short blurb on the cover of the book. It, it says something like empower. I didn't get, get the whole thing there. It says empower and discover yourself while planning for and returning from a maternity leave. And, and let's talk about that because some women, whenever they're in the workforce and they're getting ready to leave on maternity leave, some of them have, you know, full thoughts about coming back to work, but that's before they really get in the hustle and bustle of motherhood and parenthood. Mm -hmm. And then once they get in the thick of it, they're like, you know, I actually like this and I need some more time off. off. So they don't necessarily want to return back to the workforce because they're not sure what that would look like. And if they need to take time off or et cetera, they don't want to necessarily be penalized because, you know, they're a mom now, but they also do want to thrive in in the career. And I know you work with, you know, women in this area. So can you talk about it from your personal standpoint and maybe weave in, you know, some of the clients, how do we help women decipher, okay, does it really make sense for you to stay home or what does transitioning back into the workforce and owning your career on top of, you know, being proud to be a mother look like? Yeah. So I would start by saying it's personal. There's no right, no wrong. There's not really a yes and a no on this thing, right? And it's a spectrum. So there's a lot of options out there. And whatever you think you know before you go on maternity leave will change, right? When that baby pops out, it's like the universe shifts just a little bit, but everything else around it changes. So what I see is... Clients that come in, and it's the company that pays for me to help to work with these women and support them, but the client is the individual. And they usually start out and they say, are you sure this is confidential? And I say, yes, it's confidential. And about a quarter of them say, I'm not going back, or I don't think I'm going back. And I kind of think, ooh, someone's just hired me to help them find a new job. This is a problem or somebody who's not going to, to work. But what I found is there's an emotional zigzag, right? Some days one thinks, this is wonderful. I'm going to stay and play with my baby and go to all the classes and do everything. And another day, the mom has had a bad day. and Like, let me out of here. Where is my career? I cannot feed any more juice and bottles and whatever else. So it changes. And what we're able to really take a look at, and the reason we start the coaching before going on maternity leave, is to really get to know yourself, right? Like, what are your priorities? What's your vision? What's your values? What's negotiable? What's not? And in really understanding yourself, you can now decide what would you like to do? in terms of your career and how might that look. Interestingly, about 95% of my clients choose to go back to their current employer. They actually, they were there for a reason, they loved it, but often under a different work schedule, a different travel schedule, a different agreement arrangement that works for them. So they're finding their, they're finding their knowledge of themselves and then finding a voice to ask for what they want and then negotiating it because high potential, high performing women, mm -hmm. even if they're moms, they're in high demand. And if the company won't find something for them, 
there's plenty of companies out there who will. Yes. And we saw a lot of hypos. So those hypos during the pandemic, a lot of them, you know, whenever daycares were closed and different places were closed, you know, they were forced to stay at home with their children. And they're like, oh, this is nice. Because some companies went from the true brick and mortar, where you had to come in to not really knowing what to do, because it was unfamiliar to, okay, you're going to work from home. But then once the world opened back up, they were telling those same hypos to come back into the office. And they're like, well, I already worked from home for so long. Why don't you do a hybrid working? So then we saw, you know, there was an influx of hypos and women mm -hmm. in general that dropped out of the workforce and they went into their own pivot, whether it was a parental pivot or there was a career pivot to accommodate the new norm, because let's be honest, we're not going back to what normal used to look like. Those days are gone, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. We're now in this quote unquote maternity magic and this parental pivot and career pivots. And people have woken up and say, I know what I want. I know what I need. I know what I deserve. And I know mm -hmm. what I bring to the table. And if someone can't give me that, then I'm either going to find someone that can, meaning going to another employer, changing yep. careers, or they became savvy and started their own business and mm -hmm. started doing things for themselves. So within your line of work and your scope, have you been met with any of these scenarios? Yeah. I mean, don't get me on my soapbox about return to work. So well, I'll, I'll just be short about it. Me, to me. During the pandemic, women in particular learned how to juggle. We learned how to set up our own offices, our own places. I mean, I sit here in my home office with a beautiful screen and a comfy chair and a nice Wi-Fi and I'm set up and I don't have to drive half an hour and get clothes and get too dressed up and, and all of those things. So this is a more efficient way for a lot of people to work. What I see now is this push to go back to full-time in-office return to work is really doing a disservice to the company and to the individual. And I think that for most people over time, when offices don't have massive rents that they have to fill and reasons to fill a headquarters, I think we're gonna see a more of a sway back towards more of work from home and more of a hybrid model because we learned a different way of working. And it's an efficient way of working. And for most of the clients I work with, they're pretty self-motivated and they want to add value. They're not sitting at home eating bonbons and pretending to work, right? So if someone can give somebody the opportunity to deliver the same value in a different way, better for them and more flexible and more sustainable, why are we pushing it? We're pushing it because more the more senior you are in a corporation the statistics are showing the more likely you are to want to return to the office and there's a lot of accounting nonsense around paying for rental spaces and justifying having big headquarters is my belief but that's my soapbox on return to work yeah i could see that coming from a fortune 500 company and another thing I want to think about too here is now, since we're talking about maternity magic, your book, let's talk about the magic with this new law that was passed, the pumping act. For those of you that are moms and maybe you're breastfeeding, you're an exclusive pumper, or maybe you're doing combo or whatnot, how important 
is it for women to have this conversation with their employer to say, hey, you're supposed to provide a sterile, safe space for me to pump outside of my lunch break. And Mm -hmm. it's the new law and the requirements. And some companies, I think the law said they had a but up to 120 days, right? To have this into effect since the time the law was passed. But of course, you know, some women, they don't like to rock the boat. And so maybe they want to have this conversation, but they, they're they met with some personal resistance. And they're like, how do I have this conversation with this, with this employer of mine without feeling like I need to go to the bathroom and pump or without feeling like I need to go to my car and pump? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I applaud the approach to actually making it a safe, comfortable environment for pumping. I mean, we're doing this for our children's health, and it's a vital part of being a parent for many people who choose to make that choice. Five years ago, the pumping room, if there was one, might have been the bathroom stall with an extension cord. And that is not exactly sterile or comfortable or conducive or anything else. So I would say if if I was advising someone who worked in a company who had the attitude of, oh gosh, now we have to give you a nice space, I'd really question the values of the company that I'm working at and whether that is a culture that really fits for me. So that would be my starting point. Most of my clients have actually gone the opposite way. They're already way past the requirements. So they have learned you're going to get happier, faster, more productive people who can go and sit and enjoy. There are companies that have the snacks out. They've got cozy blankets. Some of them, one of them actually even provides the equipment and you provide your own tubes, but you don't have to lug the machine around with you anymore. Another one offers a mail-back frozen milk service. So you just FedEx put it in the prepaid envelope and ship it back when you're traveling. So there's a lot of creative ways that don't cost a lot of money and don't, um, you know, don't require a a lot to provide that space. But we've come so far. When I had my first daughter, I was in London and we were watching a parade and I sat down subtly on the edge of the curve with blanket. I wasn't hanging out there, flopping everything around. And I breastfed her. And I actually had people ask me not to do that in public, right? I don't see that anymore. So it's getting better, but progressive companies are taking it a step beyond. So it becomes a benefit and it becomes a sign of support and a a reflection as a culture. Yeah, and to me, I just think it's part of getting on the bandwagon of DEIMB, which is diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, Mm -hmm. because in order to encompass all of that, you need to make sure everyone feels a sense of inclusivity and belonging, no matter what their nationality is, their race, their religion, whatever the case may be, sexual orientation, no matter what it is, the playing field needs to be equal and it shouldn't just be a check the box. You should actually walk it like you talk it and it should be evident because when people feel seen and heard, they're going to want to show up. They're going to want to put on their um, game faces and give it their all because they're now in an environment where they can not just survive, but thrive. For thrive. The yes. yes, exactly. And it's the description, right? The I part of DEIB 
is around being asked to dance at the dance. The B part is being able to dance to your own tunes. So if it's something that that you really want, find your voice to ask for it. Because for the ladies listening out there, we are in high demand. So if you're a hypo in high demand, and the company has invested in recruiting and training and keeping and paying for your, your lead or whatever else, they want you to stay. So find your voice, get your confidence, and don't go in, you know, hat in hand asking for a favor. You're you're telling them what it is you need to make you happy at work. And we work harder for people that we like and the people that we value and people that we trust. So foster that environment. Don't be shy. Yes. And another thing that I want to say too here about maternity magic is ladies, find your personal magic because each one of us was created for a purpose, on a purpose. There's no two people alike. So there's something amazing that you have inside of you, but it's time for you to tap into it and take ownership of that and let your light shine because your light is meant to illuminate others and radiate the space. So in order for maternity magic to really be evident, it starts with you knowing who you are internally. And once you know who you are internally, then externally, you're going to really show up unapologetically. You, you're going to show up authentic. You're going to have power when you talk. You're going to walk with confidence. Everything is going to just glow up around you. So Anna, when you think about maternity magic and the amount of gems that you have laid in your book, can you leave us with you know, two significant quotes from your book that will just allow the women and the audience in general to light up. Yeah. So magic, magic happens in the moment. No one has magic tricks that last for a lifetime, right? So a key takeaway might be figure out what works best for you and your family at this point in time, in this moment for the foreseeable short-term future. You don't have to go solve where you're going to be in 30 years or what happens when the baby goes to college. Just focus in on what works for you now and it'll change and you can change. The second piece of advice I would have is confidence, confidence, confidence. We are strong, powerful women here for a purpose and let's use that voice, right? There is no reason to apologize for having another role in your life. You're, you're a more rounded person when you're not just a workaholic. So confidence in how much progressive companies value you, value your diversity, value and want to support you in a long-term career with them. So confidence, going loud, going proud. I love that. And another thing I would add here too is ladies, don't be afraid to ask for help when needed. Mm. Asking for help is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength. We are not super yeah. women. We're not super humans. We are just going through life, doing the best that we can in the given situation. But even though you may not necessarily be firing on all cylinders and you may have taken a dip in the road, does not mean that you're not going to get back up and have that high plateau that you used to have. 
being a mom is hard work. And Mm -hmm. I will not let anybody take that away from you because your story is your story. And what you're going through is relevant. It's your experience. And that's not to negate that, oh, you're asking for help. That doesn't mean that you're incompetent or that doesn't mean you can't handle it. It just means that you need to tap into your tribe and you need some extra bandwidth to help you get through the season of life that you're in. And that's perfectly okay. And one thing that I would say is sometimes hypos, we want to take everything on and we may want to be that direct that direct manager. We want to be, you know, that um, person that's flying all over, but maybe you need, maybe it's okay to to take a step back to be an IC, an individual contributor, until your child is in a position where they're a little bit older and et cetera. And maybe um, you have more help because let's be honest, some women are dual careers between you, your partner, your spouse, your mate, or whatever. And one of you may have to take a backseat in order to accommodate going to the doctor's visits, taking your kids to activities, being Mm. there with time, like kids need time. You can't just pop out a baby and not spend time with that baby or not spend time with your children. They need to know that you're present. And that's one of the ways that we love our children. They didn't ask to be here. We brought them here. So it's our due diligence and our responsibility to nurture them on a holistic level, mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. So don't take that away from your children and don't feel like, okay, your job is not going to understand because if they really value you and they know what you bring to the table, they will be okay with you taking a step back until you're ready to take a step up and get back in the position or that you were in, in my opinion. I completely concur. And building on that, making it practical, hypos sit in, if you think of that sort of three by three box, right, potential and performance, everybody aspires to be in the top. And in fact, almost all the companies skew towards the top because nobody wants to be in the bottom. When women come in to work with me, they are often in the very top of the top of the box. So there's like another quadrant within the box. Staying in that box is very time consuming and takes away from other things in your life. So consider, aghast for this because we're high achievers, but consider you don't want to be in that top, 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 top corner, the North Star, because if that's where you're performing at work, where are your stars around being a mom, being a sister, being a parent, being, they're probably down in the bottom left corner, right? So balance, right? And give yourself grace. Are you going to care in 30 years time that you got that promotion three months later because you went part-time or you refused the travel or whatever? No. What's the magic now? Yeah. Balance. And I'm going to throw you an audible um, before we jump into the CTA, Anna. Is there anything else that I didn't ask you that you want to interject here that's relevant to the conversation? Oh, I could go on for hours and hours and your daughter will have woken up from her nap and uh, I'll still be talking. Um, Let me pick on one. So I think while this book is focused on maternity magic and women, it comes back to what you were speaking about at the beginning, which is around the tribe, the support network, the, the support partner. And I think that that is an often neglected piece of the, the equation. Um, I think if, if maternity books are lacking in terms of work, I have certainly not seen something that now talks about parental leaves, right? What do men do? They have shorter leaves, but they haven't given birth. So 
what's the role they're going to play? How do they best support their spouse and their and their new child? And so I would I'm very excited to have parental pivot coming out in the summer, which is more aimed at the support partner, I think is the term I'm going to use with it. It tends to be men, but not always depends on different diverse family situations. That role is equally as important as the person who happened to have the maternity part and and the birth part. Yes, and I can't wait till that hits the market because I think it's going to drive more conversations around that so the supporting partner could know and understand what it's like for the one who goes through the uh, maternal part whether it's birthing themselves or whether it's, you know, having IVF or whether it's having, you know, a surrogate or whatever the case may be, because women go through baby blues, postpartum, perineal Mm -hmm. mood disorder, so many other complexities among hormonal imbalance and all of these things. And if you as a supporting partner don't know how to relate to your partner, then it could cause some friction on top of everything else that that woman is dealing with. Yes. Being a mom, being a ba- um, having a baby, taking care of the mm-hmm. baby, juggling what work and et cetera. And, you know, these are conversations I've even had to explain with my husband because he just didn't get it. He's like, oh, it's easy. And I'm like, I want to see you do it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the fathers that come into my parental pivot coaching almost universally come in with three opening comments. One, my wife is really emotional and has kind of changed. Two, the baby is uncontrollable and we can't get them to do what we want. And three, I can't work like I used to work. And these men come in and they, they are, I'm stereotyping, but they really want to be supportive. Um, here's an inch, I'll leave you another idea here. And that is that if you are in a partnership relationship of whatever kind, you are now co-CEOs of Family Inc., So Kemp Inc., for example, and as co-CEOs, you have to know what your vision is, what your priorities are, what your strength, you have got to look for alignment. And guess what? When you add a baby into that, you just added a whole other, like an employee that you're now in charge of as well. So what does Family Inc., what's at the heart of Family Inc., and what does it stand for? And while the employer is a very important piece of Family Inc., primary role is to fund the activities that Family Inc. wants to be able to do, the financial feeding. It's a very important asset, but your primary company that you are the CEO of is your Family Inc., not company I happen to work for now. Absolutely. And y'all, we're going to leave that there because when the book comes back, we're going to have Anna back on. So we're going to jump into the CTA, Anna which is the call to action. What is your call to action for the audience today? Because what good is it, audience, if you hear this segment, but you don't take what you heard, do your due diligence and apply it in your life? Yeah. So my my call to action here is educate yourself. So if that means that you can pick up the book, the first half of the book is all about know yourself. So you don't actually have to be pregnant or a new parent. So you, you pick up the book, read it and, and digest it, right? Just enjoy and, and learn and explore and have fun with it. Um, that would be my biggest call to action. At a minimum, invest in yourself, know yourself, stand up for yourself. And I hope the book can help guide you along that. Um, yeah. 
And Anna, how can the audience connect with you? What's your website? And are there any social media platforms that you hang out on primarily? So my biggie is LinkedIn and it's just Anna Minto. And if you type in Anna Minto Maternity Magic, it should come up there and it's got all my contact information there. I am open to emails, texts, calls, whatever. Just uh, reach out if you want to chat about your situation and um, would love to learn what you're experiencing and how, how to help you. And there you have it, audience. You just heard from Anna Minto, maternity magic, who's serving up magic and helping those that are on their journey either go back to the workforce or find out what it is that you want to do that makes you happy and takes you from surviving to thriving. Make sure you like, comment, follow, and subscribe the podcast. We're on all major platforms. You could also see the video to this recording on YouTube by going to Gems with Genesis Amaris Kemp. And lastly, but not least, my big ask, ASK, is for brand sponsors and listener supporters. It does take monetary resources to fuel the mission and movement so if that interests you and you want to partner with me and have your services heard right here reach out to me all of my contact information will be in the show notes along with Anna's so until next time peace love and lots of blessings and thank each one of you from the bottom of my heart for supporting myself and the guests that I bring into the community because of you You encourage us to do what we do and we hope you do what you do and leave gems for the world because that's all about making an imprint to drive an impact. Thank you, Genesis. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to another segment of Gems Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this recording. Make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe to Gems Podcast on your audio platform as well as our YouTube channel, Gems with Genesis Amaris Kemp. We would love for you to be a sponsor, so please reach out via email at gems, G-E-M-S, with W-I-T-H, Genesis, G-E-N-E-S-I-S, Amaris, A-M-A-R-I-S, Kemp, K-E-M-P, at gmail.com, where your brand, your swag, your services could be here on GEMS Podcasts.